thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Well, the UFC 260 pay-per-view is finally upon us. We did lose one title fight off the top, but we still are getting to see Francis Ngannou versus Steve Miocic in an exciting rematch. We'll, of course, be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on this main card. As part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we also give you an underdog to play and a parlay we think will be profitable. And in addition to that, I am, of course, giving you two interviews that you know you want to hear. First, I'm going to be talking with Kama Worthy as he breaks down exactly how he feels about steroid users. And let me tell you something, he has got some harsh words for both a former opponent, his brother, and the steroid-using body in total. Plus, of course, we're going to be talking about his fight. And speaking about fights we're going to talk about... Adrian Yanez is back on the show for the second straight week. He is going to talk about that performance of the night winning KO, as well as all the interviews he's been doing. Because let me tell you something, I am not the first person to have him on my show. The guy seems like he is everywhere lately. And you can get to both of those interviews in just a moment. But first, I have to let you know that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for avid sports bettors providing insight analysis and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting. You can head on over to betterman.vegas, and from there you can browse, search, and follow cappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests. And let me tell you something. You already read these guys. You already listen to some of these guys. You, you know these guys from TV or wherever it is you see them, Twitter. Now you get the picks right from their mouth, and in every sport imaginable, you'll see MMA on there. You'll see college basketball. Of course, it's tournament season, all kinds of awesome things. And, of course, you can see picks from me on there each and every week from MMA as well. So make sure to follow Top Turtle MMA on there, as well as all of your other favorite cappers. And hey, maybe start your own account. Drop some pics yourself. Once again, it's like the YouTube for sports betting, Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Kama Worthy, who fights Jamie Malarkey at UFC 260 on the pay-per-view main card this upcoming Saturday. So, Kama, I actually wanted to start by talking about your last fight, which was the first loss of your UFC career after starting 2-0. You know, every fighter has pretty much said they learn more from the losses than they do the wins. What was kind of your, your message and your plan when you did get back to the gym following the loss? Um, Same stuff. I don't really change anything. I mean... I mean, you can't really hold on to your wins for too long. You can't really hold on to your losses for too long. I mean, you take what you can from them, adjust how you can, and just kind of run with it. So, I mean, I took I took about two weeks off, and now he's right back to training. Well, that's good to hear. And I'm curious, too, because, you know, the, that idea that you're, you're sort of trusting in yourself and you can't hold on to your losses too long while other fighters sort of do, do you feel like that's something you've sort of developed over your career? Because, I mean, you have been at this for damn near a decade at this point. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's it's the sport itself. You can't, I mean, you can't really dwell too much on things in the sport because the sport's always evolving. Like, you're going to be a different fighter every time it rolls around. So I don't really think, 
I mean, like, that's just kind of how I've always approached it. I kind of, I took it serious, but I never really overthought the process when it came to fighting. Because if you did, then, like, you know, losses or bad days in the gym, it'll be able to hold on. And they're like, it basically, it's, it builds scars tissue on your training. Jump ropes, guys. Well, that, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm curious, too, because it, I would be, you know, crazy not to ask this question. The, you know, the guy who beat you, Atman Aziatar, he's sort of mired in controversy since then, right? Like the UFC kind of fired him, kind of didn't fire him. Uh, there was a mysterious bag that supposedly had potatoes in it. Like, what what is sort of your takeaway from all of that surrounding having just been the guy who fought him? He's on steroids. There's no way around it. His brother got caught doing steroids, and then he gets caught sneaking a mysterious bag filled with magic potatoes into a place that's completely secure. They gave you everything you want. Like, on Fight Island, I haven't been. But I mean, even when I go to Vegas, they give us literally everything we want. If we need something, there's a, there's a person that's assigned to us. My guy just hit me up yesterday. He goes, I forget his name. He hit me a text. He goes, hey, this is so-and-so. I'm going to be your assigned person. Let me know if you need anything, food, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like stuff to help you cut weight, this, that, that. That's my job. I'll get it for you because we're in right? So if you're having someone scale on a building to bring you something that's, that, the, that the UFC can't provide to you, like what else would it be? I mean, like then, like like when it happened, I was like, all right, let me see what it is. I don't want to. I don't accusing people of using steroids is a big thing. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And then they come out and he goes, yeah, it was potatoes. I need. And I'm like, come on, dude. Like you're using, and then you're, and then the simple fact that his brother gets popped and accepts his suspension for using steroids, I'm like, oh, I'm you know using steroids, no way around it. And how does that sit with you? Is that that's something that you, you feel really? I, I mean, obviously you feel passionately because it's your most recent loss, but is that something that sticks with you? That bothers you? Is that something that you want to rematch for? How do you sort of take that in terms of your fight with him? No, I mean, like, the, I mean, like it's, it's the past for me. But the biggest thing for me is that I think that people that use steroids in combat sports should be beat with hammers because simply, like, what we're doing is going to take time away from us. Like, we know this. Like, we're going to have brain trauma and stuff. Like, you know, we're going to have problems with interacting with our grandkids because of this sport that we do, right? Like, that's a known fact. Like, there's no secret about it. We're, going to, we're jacking our bodies up for entertainment and money. We know that. I know this. I know the risk getting into the fights. But when someone comes in enhanced, they increase those risks. So you're taking time away from my family. You're taking time away from me. Like, every time someone comes in on off a, jacked up off a steroids and they hit you, they're, they're hitting you harder than you should be getting hit. So you're taking more trauma, and it's, it's damaging your body more. So for me, it's not like if you take steroids and you play football. You're not really hurting people more. Your object of football is to score points. If you're playing baseball and you're on steroids, you're just hitting the ball harder. You may break this guy's record, but you're not hurting him, right? But if you do it in fighting, like it's like I think it's like it's like wrapping your hands in plaster or some shit. Like it's dirty, it's grimy as fuck. And in guys that do it and think it's okay and think they should just I'm like, you know, you guys are pieces of shit. Like there's no way around it. Like everyone, this sport sucks. What we do sucks. It takes a lot out of us. It takes a lot out of our body, and our bodies are hurt. Like, like, just deal with it. That's just it is what it is. I mean, there's multiple different ways to deal with the complications of training. But if you want to do steroids to put someone else's life at risk, technically, you're a piece of shit. I mean, I, I say that to everybody. And everyone that's ever been caught that says, oh, I didn't know I was doing this. Yes, you did. 
You knew what you were doing, and you're a piece of shit. And that's for everyone. I don't give a fuck if you're a former champion, champion, whatever, whatever. You get caught doing steroids, you're a piece of shit. Well, I certainly don't disagree with that point of view. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about this fight upcoming with Jamie Malarkey because, you know, I, I've seen, you know, a little bit of your training here and there across social media. I noticed a, a lot more pictures recently with former UFC fighter Chris Dempsey, who's kind of known for his wrestling, uh, or at least was when he was in the UFC. H- has that been a focus for you in, in this training camp? Have you been focused on a little bit more of the wrestling side of things? Um, yeah, I mean, I've always, me and, me and Chris have become really good training partners and friends over the past, like, two years or so. Uh, um, so we, we, and he's, we, he's just been, it's weird, it's crazy, because we laugh, I'm trying to maybe get him to do another fight, because I'm like, you're better now than you were when you were fighting, we always joke about that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, um, I, that's just me being in Pittsburgh, and he's, I mean, he's a national wrestling champion. He, like, goes around and subs on black belts all the time. He does grappling. I think he's won worlds. So um, being able to just keep my grappling up with him, I know I'll be ready when someone my size or my, my caliber could sit near stuff. So, I mean, like, it's, 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 been a, it's been a part of my game. I train with him at least twice a week. Like, we do at least one day where it's just me and him. We do uh, five rounds. We do that once a week. So it, it's, good. it's good work. It gets me used to being the nail. You know what I mean? Like, because in training, you have to be the hammer and the nail back and forth. And when I go with Dempsey, I'm the nail. Like, he's grabbing me and he's slamming me. He's choking me and stuff. So, it gets me used to that pressure. So, I'll, I'll be nice and relaxed by the time fight comes. And, and is that something that you feel like Jamie Malarkey is going to try to lean on? Because I, I did know that, you know, in a couple of his most recent fights, he has seemed to lean a little bit more on his wrestling. Is, is that something you sort of expect out of your opponent this time? I, I expect out of everyone. I mean, I mean, once I start hitting you, you're going to shoot on me. I mean, that's been my entire career. I mean, you're going to either shoot on me or you're going to keep letting me hit you. It's one or two. So, I mean, like that's how I, I go into every fight thinking that once I start hitting this guy, he's going to shoot on me. And I'm pretty sure Malarkey, once I start hitting him, I mean, I know our speed, the speed difference is going to be um, pretty hard for him to keep up with. And once I start really exposing the speed and like a couple other things that he does, he's going to want to shoot. I mean, he might take me down. I, I'm going to, I mean, I'll shove him off my back if I need to. Or I'll jack him up, stand back up, and keep forcing him to play the game that I want him to play. Absolutely. Now, before we get to an official prediction on your fight, I I did want to ask you, too. I noticed that this fight is on the main card, the pay-per-view portion of what is pretty a a pretty large pay-per-view here with two title fights at the top. What what were your thoughts about when they they gave you that positioning or when you found out that positioning that you would be, you know, on pay-per-view come Saturday night? Um, I don't know. I didn't really getting to it like it's not really i don't know everyone's all man. i'm like it's just a fucking fight like if i was fighting first fight on the prelims or i was fighting in the parking lot where they had to watch on youtube afterwards it's still a fight i'm still getting paid it's not like i get a percentage of the pay-per-views if i was getting a percentage of the pay-per-views then it's different but i'm still getting the same amount of money and i'm still going to get the same i'm going to still the win's going to still count as a win in the win column so for me it's it's just another fight at a different different time at this one i guess you can say i'm on the pay-per-view and stuff but it's like I don't really get into fighting all like into like placement and stuff all like that. That makes sense. Now, before I let you go, like I said, I do like to get a prediction. You said you could sub him off your back. You certainly could blast him on the feet. What? How do you picture this fight going if it does go perfectly for you? Um, A class violence, man. Whatever way it goes, man. I mean, like me personally, I'm just going in to get the win. He's tough as hell. It might go all three rounds. I might knock him out in 20 seconds. He might shoot on me after getting hit. He might get triangle i mean like you never know i mean 
So it, it, it all just depends on depends on what the uh, what the, the fight God gives me. But it's definitely going to be a W. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Kama Worthy, who fights Jamie Malarkey at UFC 260 this Saturday. Kama, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate Not it. No problem, brother. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Kama Worthy. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Joining me now is my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I, I think we got to start here. Habib is, is retired, which, which you've known the whole time, but it seems like you know it's new to Dana White right now. But we also have an 115-pound title fight that doesn't involve him. Your thoughts? Gumby, I'm so glad we're starting here. It is so LOL, and I believe Khabib even said this, that he retired in October. Fans took his word. Most professional people associated with the sport took his word. The only person who didn't take his word was Dana. And I'll be a devil's advocate on Uncle Dana's side. He's had a lot of guys say they're retired and then unretire. You know, I, Connor's retired at this point five times. Sometimes it's negotiation. Sometimes it's leverage. Sometimes guys are just down and they just feel like they don't want to fight. Kazmet Chimiev, a great example of this. Two weeks ago, he's sick. He says he might never fight again. Now it's coming out that he's going to fight again. So Dana's used to dealing with the ups and downs and emotions of fighters. That being said, Khabib, by everything we know about him, having followed his whole career, followed him his whole career, he's a very straight-up guy. It was his dying dad's wish that he not fight again. It seemed pretty concrete, but here Dana's come around it six months later and tried to do like a tweet where it was like him breaking the news, <laughs> even though we already knew it. Um, as far as what I think we want to get to, the meat of it all, uh, Chandler versus Charlie Olives, fine fight to make, rumors that it could have been Poirier in the title mix, but he wanted the fat envelope in the trilogy fight against Connor. That's fine. He can get the winner of the of that matchup. 155 is not short on amazing fighters. So whatever the combination that they were going to come up with, I probably was going to be pretty happy with. Even Gaethje coming off the loss to Khabib, I could have seen throwing him in there. But uh, to me, this is Charlie Olive's title to win. He's peaking at just the right time. He's my pick. What do you make of the whole thing? Yeah, I agree with you on the, the Poye thing. And I actually think he made a smart decision because, I mean, like, what's, your, what's his option here? You know, like, make twice as much money to fight a guy you already beat or have a riskier fight for half the cost uh, against, you know, somebody who's arguably more dangerous. Like, I just, it was a no-brainer for me for Poirier to do that, as silly as it might sound. Um, and, yeah, I, I think he probably beats McGregor in the rematch. He gets the winner of those two, so smart move on him. As far as the matchup, I, I'm a little torn because, you, you know, you did say it is Charlie Olive's title to win, and I do want to favor him in this one, but it's just... The, the wrestling of Chandler worries me uh, because, you know, like Charlie Olives did dominate Tony Ferguson, who we know is a great grappler, but we don't know Tony Ferguson to be this like amazing wrestler, right? Like that that's not his MO. Whereas Michael Chandler came up a wrestler. He wrestles with, you know, Kamara. There's videos of him wrestling with Kamara Usman and it is not one-sided. So like, what are, what is he getting into here? And then what's the what's the net sum on the feet, right? Like, it's probably Chandler's fight on the feet. I don't know. I, I actually think stylistically, and maybe I'm just writing off Charlie Olives for the 8,000th time, but I actually think stylistically this fight probably leans for me to Michael Chandler. Well, so let's back up a second, because I actually didn't even want to get into the breakdown. We'll obviously break it down when and if the fight actually goes through, because we know we're living <laughs> in COVID times. 
But, you know, never mention a potential fight to an MMA nerd such as yourself. You immediately go into the breakdown, and that's why I love you. Let me just back you up one second. Do you think that was the right fight to make and the right two fighters to put in the title shot? Absolutely. As long as you are not going with Poirier, as long as Poirier said no, if, if that, and that's the caveat I'm leaving here. If Poirier said no, this is the right one, right? Gaethje's coming off the loss, not ready for him to, to do it yet. And, and to be honest with you, Gaethje against either of those two worries me because his grappling looked so bad against Habib. And granted, it's Habib. Habib's amazing. But he looked like a fish out of water on his back. Uh, and, and you mean to tell me you're going to take that and you're going to put him against Charlie Olives? Don't love it. You're going to do that. You're going to put him against Gaethje? Don't even really love... Or uh, Chandler? Don't even really love that. So, you know, let him get his feet underneath him again. Let him fight somebody like... Hell, let him fight RDA. RDA's got great wrestling. Let's see if he can do something with that. And if he can, if he can piece him up, you know, he he's in that short list along with Poirier after Poirier runs through Connor again. It's so, oh yeah, I agree completely with everything you just said. It's so funny to me, just two final thoughts on it. You know, it seems like maybe fans are kind of giving Poirier shit for, you know, taking the, the money fight over the title fight, but that's the way the UFC books. That's the way the UFC markets. I mean, we just had about a year and a half ago, the BMF title, which did amazing business and proved that Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal were draws on pay-per-view, even without a real title behind it. So I think Poirier is just swimming the way that the current is going. Now, I do want to just say, if Dana White in some sort of bullshit promoter negotiation tactic in a year says something like, well, I don't know about Dustin Poirier. He's a guy who didn't want to fight for our title and just went for the money. That would be fucked up. But as far as anyone else giving him shit, it's like, dude, he's just trying to feed his family and he's going the way the current is flowing, which is money fights. It is the fight business. Last point I want to bring up. It's just so sad, ironic. I don't know the word that Khabib has finally retired. We could never get the Tony fight. The man won, Tony, that is, I'm talking about, won 4,000 fights in a row and is now on a what seemingly looks like a brutal two-fight losing streak. Hasn't looked good. Might be three in a row if Benil Darush takes two out of three rounds against him. And next thing you know, you're thinking like, my God, is Tony Ferguson about to be on a three-fight losing streak and maybe even almost out of the UFC, whereas had he just won one fight last year, we'd be talking about, well, obviously this is Tony Ferguson's fight, right? Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. And it, I will say, I think the thing we forget, and this will be our last word on the lightweight because we do have some fights this week to break down, but the thing about Tony Ferguson that I think so many people forget about is that he's not young. He, he's not a young man. I, I believe the guy's 36 years old already or, or something like that. Like, and at lightweight, that's ancient, right? Like he, he is not a young guy anymore. You have to imagine his physical peak is over and he's declining. And the other thing I will say, and, and I'm not trying to write off his winning streak because his winning streak was miraculous, but like there were issues with his grappling in there, right? Like he had trouble with it from time to time. Like if Kevin Lee was maybe uh, not so gassed out, maybe didn't have a staph infection in that fight. We might be talking about Tony Ferguson's grappling differently. Or, you know, maybe if RDA tried to wrestle him a little bit more in that fight, maybe we're talking about him differently. So I, I will say he is still a little bit of an enigma for me. I, we're going to always ask the questions, what if during his prime? What if he got a chance, the killer wrestler? What if he got this? What if he got that? But also I'd say that 
regardless of whether or not he wins fights in the near future or not, I think that athletic prime is past us and we're just kind of past the Tony Ferguson top tier uh, in the UFC, which is it's kind of sad. Terrible timing. That is kind of, it is kind of sad. I'll tell you what isn't sad. And we're not past our prime when it comes to our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, Parlays. And we're breaking it down for UFC 260, mega card, heavyweight title fight. So excited for this. But Gumby, before we get into it, one may wonder if any company sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Absolutely. Fight Stocks and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jiu-jitsu, it doesn't matter because you can log your training sessions, tag your training partners, add in different techniques and notes, and so much more. Make sure you download the Maroon Social app wherever it is you download apps. All right, we'll start with the main event, and gosh, is this exciting. Francis Naganu is a minus-130 favorite, the challenger, to Stipe Miocic, a plus-110 dog. We've had a couple of title fights here in the last couple of weeks where the, where the champion is the dog, and we saw in the case of Jan Blankovic how dumb-dumb that could be. And in a lot of ways, we also saw that with uh, Piotr Jan, who really, short of the illegal knee, probably was on his way to winning that fight. So here we have Miocic, the dog. Miocic has spent the last, eh, call it five, six, seven years just fighting Daniel Cormier. That's all he does. He just <laughs> fights Daniel Cormier. He's 2-1 and one against Daniel Cormier uh, in his last three fights. If you want to peel it back before that Cormier loss, because he lost the first one, came back and won the next two, he beat Francis Naganu, so this is a rematch. <laughs> uh, and he looked great in that fight. It was a war, though, 25 minutes. He used his wrestling to win by decision. Naganu, since that Stipe uh, performance, lost to Stipe, then lost to Derek Lewis in a very lackluster, uh, weird, weird fight. So he lost two in a row, and this was a man who was coming off wins over Alistair Overeem, Andre Arlovsky, in violent, violent fashion, had that awesome Kimura over Anthony Hamilton, was thought to be the next big thing at heavyweight, runs into Miocic and Lewis, goes on a two-fight losing streak. What does he do? Does he fold it in? Does his career end? No. He comes back. He TKOs Curtis Blades. He KOs Cain Velasquez, the one-time GOAT. He TKOs Junior Dos Santos, another uh, former champion, and then he KOs Jared Roizenstroik, another guy who was thought to be like the knockout up-and-coming artist of the heavyweight division, but Naganu said, no, no, sir. I am the bull of the woods here, and now he faces Miocic again for the title shot. Who you got? So I will say this, too. What's kind of crazy about Francis Naganu is the reason he didn't win the first title fight, right, is because his wrestling defense wasn't good enough. So then he fights maybe the two best wrestlers in the history of the heavyweight division in Cain Velasquez and Curtis Blades. And we learn literally nothing from those fights. <laughs> he just knocks him out in like 45 seconds. So like those fights were designed to be like, okay, well, can he defend the takedown? And it turns out it doesn't matter. And while I hate the odds on this fight, I hate them so much and I have no interest in looking at them at all. I'm still going to pick Francis Naganu because of literally what I just said. I have no idea if his takedown defense has gotten better. But I know in the last four fights, it hasn't mattered. And in order for Stipe Miocic to walk away the champ again here, I think he has to have stood in a cage for 50 minutes and not taken a big punch from Francis Naganu. And I'm starting to wonder if any human being is capable of that, right? Like, is I don't see Stipe knocking him out, right? Like, you don't think Stipe's boxing's better. You don't think he's going to get to good enough positions in the ground and pound. 
And I'm sure Francis has been working the takedown defense, and I have no clue if it's actually gotten better. But I like to think that there is a chance that either in the first or the second round here, it starts on the feet. I'm just going to say Francis does get one of those big hands on Stipe and turns the lights out because that's really all it needs. So, again, I hate the odds, but I'm going to go Nagano. I'm going Naganu too, for all the things you said. He just takes one shot. I also have to say, having followed Stipe's career for a really long time, I just feel as though between the DC knockout, you know, two years ago. How and about Stefan Struve? <laughs> yeah, you can go back to Stefan Struve, too. I just feel like the wars he's been in, heavyweight, there's a lot of wear and tear there. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. I feel like his speech pattern has even gotten a little worse in the past few years. And this is a man who has a second career and has a life just waiting for him. I think Naganu takes a big shot on him, takes the title, and I could see Stipe retiring into the sunset. And God bless him, he's been a great champion. But I just have that feeling that this is Naganu's time. I could be reading way too much into it. It just is what it is. That's my prediction. Vicente Luke is a minus 255 favorite to Tyron Woodley, a plus 215 dog. Tale of two different careers here. Woodley, a one-time former champion, looked dominant for a few years and is now on a three-fight losing streak, losing to Usman, Gilbert, Burns, and coming off a TKO uh, off of Colby Covington. It was really a rib injury, but he was about to lose the fight. So three fights lost in a row. Uh, this is a man who has a, a rap album. He's been acting more. He's older in his upper 30s. He seems like he has one foot out the door. Vicente Luke, the favorite for a reason, other than losing to Steph, uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Leon Edwards, has beaten everyone the UFC has thrown him since the Ultimate Fighter finale when he debuted, uh, I don't know, six years ago. So he's put together a really nice, impressive career here in the UFC, coming up wins over Randy Brown and Nico Price. Since the Leon Edwards loss back in 2017, he's actually, uh, he is 7-1. and one. Since that fight to Leon Edwards losing the unanimous decision, who are you taking here? I'm going to take the St. Luke. I actually don't think this is all that hard of a fight to pick. Like, if you, if you talk about what people write off about Vicente Luque in his career, is, is they've just kind of said his defense isn't elite yet, and it's not good enough to be the top of the top. Well, luckily, he's fighting somebody who's thrown, like, six punches in his last fucking 75 minutes in the cage. So, I think he's safe here. I think he probably has his way. I could see him even wrestling it up a bit. He could do under different things here, but I just don't see a path for Tyron Woodley, who now seems only interested in landing the big shot and not setting it up. So, yeah, Vicente Luque by any way he wants. Yeah, it's interesting with uh, Woodley. Sometimes he gives these lackluster performances. I don't know if he's trying to save energy, and it's almost like a mishandling of his cardio in a way, or if it's really just like a mental thing, and he just doesn't want to be there anymore. I think this fight will finally tell us if he wants to be there or not. But I am picking Luque as well. All right, we'll go then to another semi-exciting fight, although I think the outcome is rather clear. Sean O'Malley, a minus 300 favorite. Thomas Almeida, a plus 250 dog. Almeida on a three-fight losing streak. And they're throwing him Sean O'Malley, which is to say they're basically giving him his walking papers. O'Malley's coming off a loss to Marlon Vera, though, via TKO. Very weird performance by him, and that was after he started his career 12-0. and and 4-0 in the UFC, wins over Eddie Wineland, Jose Alberto Quinones, and Andre Sugamath. Uh, so who are you taking here? And I know it's Sean O'Malley. Do you see a path to victory for Thomas Almeida? You know, I will just say this. Thomas Almeida, I, I don't like the odds being as wide here as they are for Sean O'Malley, because while I'm probably, I'm picking Sean O'Malley in this fight, like, it, it, 
Thomas Almeida lost to three really good dudes right before he left. I mean, he's one in four in his last five. The losses to Cody Garbrand, Jimmy Rivera, Rob Font, and Jonathan Martinez. And like, you know, Jonathan Martinez definitely a step down from the other three, but that was after a two and a half year layoff. So like, do we really know what Thomas Almeida is based on losses to Cody Garbrand, Jimmy Rivera, and Rob Font? No, freaking Sean O'Malley would get licked by all three of them too. So... I think that those odds being as wide as they are a little bit disrespectful to Almeida. But with that being said, you got a guy who's been knocked out pretty violently by Cody Garbrand. He was knocked out pretty violently by Rob Font going up against a guy who knocks people out pretty violently. So, you know, concussions are, are cumulative and I expect it to be even further accumulated here. Uh, Sean O'Malley, knockout. Our dog of the week. <laughs> is Jessica Penne. She's plus 100, which is really stretching the bounds of what we might call a dog. <laughs> um, but we're picking her over Hannah Goldie at plus 100. Why? So I am stretching the, the what we call a dog here. It is barely a dog. But I will tell you, I also gave you a plus 300 last week that cashed out with Montserrat Conejo. So make sure you thank me for that one before we uh, insult me too much for this Jessica Penne pick. Look, Jessica Penne ain't won a fight since December of 2014. That is a fact. The last fight she won was a split decision over Randa Marcos. She lost after that to Ioana Young Jacek, Jessica Andraj, and Danielle Taylor before having this weird layoff, half through due to injuries, half due to USADA suspension that she debates, and all kinds of things like that. It's been crazy for Jess- Jessica Penne. With that being said, I think they matched her with the right kind of opponent, Hannah Goldie is somebody who had a lot of trouble with grappling in her debut against a fighter who used to fight down to weight class, right? Like she's now fighting somebody who who is actually fit for her weight class. And that seems like a problem. And Jessica Penne has good grappling here. So I could totally see Jessica Penne coming in here, grappling her up a little bit, getting the win that way. Um, you know, but again, this is sort of contingent upon whether or not Jessica Penne is the same Jessica Penne we saw five or six years ago. Who knows what that looks like, but... Uh, my my money here is on that she is. Our parlay to play, Alonzo Menafield, a minus 110 favorite. Miranda Maverick, a minus 160 favorite. Let's do a little math. Pair them together in a parlay. It gets you plus 210 odds. Let's hear it. So I like Alonzo Menafield for tons of reasons in this fight. And actually, I'm pretty sure I've thrown this in like three other parlays because this fight keeps getting canceled and rescheduled, as does the Miranda Maverick-Jillian Robertson fight, which we'll talk about in a second. But Metafield, for me, is just too technical for William Knight. William Knight's a guy who puts himself in bad positions and then sort of does the old Derek Lewis and just stands the hell up and, and goes from there. I just don't see that working against a guy who has been in there with guys like OSP, right? Like, Alonzo Metafield is tough as nails. Um, plus, he's coached by Saif Saud, who, I, you know, I always lean towards Fortis MMA fighters. So I like Alonzo Metafield a lot here to, to just control the fight and capitalize on those errors from Knight. Miranda Maverick here is just so superior in the wrestling to Jillian Robertson. Robertson has got crazy good jujitsu, but hey, jujitsu only works if you can get it to a spot where you're grappling. And the only spots Jillian Robertson is going to be grappling Miranda Maverick is off of her back. And I just think Maverick's defense is good enough in those positions that she's going to win a fight if it goes there. And really, she has to choose if it goes there too, because I think she wins a fight on the feet, and I don't think there's any way Robertson takes her down. So with those paths to victory being so narrow for Robertson, I love Maverick in this fight, and I do think that Menafield here capitalizes on some errors from Knight. 
Boom. That has been this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. We sure hope you appreciate it. Follow along with us on Twitter. We'll be live tweeting during the fights and all week, really. We accept both love and hate feedback. Let us know if we did you dirty with these picks. Let us know if we scored for your bank account and got you a fatter envelope. We're pretty good at what we do. Check out our gambling videos on Better Than Vegas as well. We'll be providing links to that on our Twitter and our IG. Boy, do we love gambling videos, and we hope you appreciate our gambling advice. Hey, if you want to help out the show, go over to iTunes, write a review. It helps keep the lights on in the Top Turtle Podcast studio. Gumby, this train is a-moving. Choo-choo. Where should we go next? And we're going to transition now to my interview with Adrian Yanez as he breaks down both his knockout victory recently, how his hand is feeling following that knockout victory, and of course all these damn interviews he's doing, so including the one he's about to do with me. So we hope you enjoy it. Tune in right now. All right, and joining me today is Adrian Yanez, fresh off his performance of the night winning KO of Gustavo Lopez. So Adrian, I want to start off in a little bit of a different spot. I've been scrolling through Twitter all morning and this afternoon, and it seems like every single person I've ever worked with, every person in media and MMA, it seems like everybody is talking to Adrian Yanez this week. Like, have you just been doing interviews nonstop since you, you knocked out Gustavo Lopez? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I love talking to people, man. It, it's, it's, it's the best part about this sport, man. Like, you, you just go on, like, after a good performance, you get to go out there and talk to talk to everybody you know especially on social media like to me that's like my favorite part that's 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 absolutely my favorite part just like to be able to interact with everybody and then also too if it wasn't for a lot of the media stuff man like uh, a lot of a lot of people wouldn't be getting the shine that they that they get you know and honestly i'm i'm riding high and uh, i feel like i have a good performance and you know i, I feel like that you know I, I deserve to talk to everybody because a lot of people have watched my fight and i'm very thankful that like everybody was tuning in, you know, and if it wasn't for them tuning in, you know, I don't think we'd, I'd have a job here in the UFC. So uh, of, of course, man, I, I would love, I love taking out the time to talk to, talk to people who want to interview or just people on social media, you know, and all that stuff. Like for me, that's, it's fun. It's really, really fun. Cause man, like every, every interview is going to be a little bit different. Every interview is going to be, going to be fun for me at least, you know, I get to get to, uh, tell how I've been feeling or what, or whatever's going on, you know? So it's pretty cool to me, man. I love it. I absolutely love this a lot. Well, and I'm, I'm interested too in hearing how you're feeling. We're going to get to that in a second, but I'm also interested in the fact that you, you have an overwhelmingly positive view of social media in, in the sports world, which is, is pretty rare this day and age, right? Because a lot of people get down on people. And, and of course you're, it's hard to be down on Adrian Rienez right now, right? Because you're, you're flying high. You're coming off of a, an amazing knockout, but I got to ask too, like, is that side ever sort of reared its ugly head at you? Or are you just in this spot where, you know, people love Adrian and that's right now. So why would, why would you ever have a bad experience? Oh yeah. It's, it's a bit of both, man. And I also know how, how quick social media can turn on you. So I do love talking to people and I do love like getting in contact with a lot of people on social media. Uh, but also like I do, I do keep it with a grain of salt, you know, cause I know how bad the internet can, uh, can make you look at times so man I, uh, I i'm enjoying it while i can before like just in case like like somebody doesn't like what i do or somebody doesn't like what i say and you know tries to flip the script on you so man i'm just enjoying it enjoying it for now you know because all this can be gone tomorrow so to me i'm i'm just loving it for what it is right now and then also too uh like 
I kind of was, I, I guess you can say I kind of grew up in the social media area, like uh, where everything was like, I was in that transition where everything was starting to turn more to the so- social media era, like, and like I was just a little bit after. So I kind of know how it works. Like I see what's going on. So uh, I, the biggest thing about everybody is that uh, they don't like anybody being fake. So as long as you're being transparent and being your actual who you are, I think, you know, people admire and love that. And that's exactly what I'm getting or giving everybody is I'm giving, uh, I'm giving everybody who I truly am. I'm not going out there and putting in the front facade or anything like that. So I think people are really loving that. And, you know, and, you know, it's just doing wonders. And, you know, the, the minute they, 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 uh, change their mind on me and try to, <laughs> and try to run me through the dirt, you know, I'm, I'm going to know like, okay, I know exactly what I got to do. So, you know, if, if they're, if they're throwing, throwing dirt on your name, then, you know, you just kind of got to roll in the dirt and play in mud for a little bit. So I don't, I wouldn't <laughs> mind that at all. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the performance too. Cause I was impressed with obviously the whole thing, but the thing that impressed me the most is you, you had one of those knockouts that we attribute to people only like people like Mark Hunt. Like we, we throw names like Mark Hunt out there with people who throw one punch knockouts and walk away. Like it's one something we don't very rarely see in MMA, right? Like everybody tells you to follow up your shots. How sure were you that that was over the minute you hit him? Oh man, as soon as as soon as like I had a I had a second, like literally like half a second uh, of like should I go in there and like and load up? But I, whenever I saw him hit the ground, whenever I saw him hit the floor, I knew it was over. I knew it was over because I saw it looked like from where I was standing, his head bounced off the floor. So I was like, oh, he's done. He's absolutely done. So it was, and it's also pretty cool because I always loved the, I've always loved the Mark Hunt, like, knockouts. So, like, it's one thing that I've always kind of always wanted. I love, like, the walk-off KOs. Like, that's all, that's one of the things that I've always wanted to do. I always wanted to pull off, and now that I have a couple, uh, a couple of walk-off uh, knockouts, you know, to me that's like I want to create highlight video. I want highlight videos of of me just knocking people out and walking off. So I think that's that's pretty cool because I, I like I, I admire people like Mark Hunt who just knock people out and just walk away. I think that's the most badass thing in MMA. Like you you go in there, you knock somebody out, and you just walk off like you know like you did it you like you like you know you did it like you know also like that part like uh you knock somebody out you go out there and celebrate you know i i kind of find pride in not celebrating like like super super big because i feel like if that i knew that that was going to happen if you know it's going to happen you know then not not a big celebration is needed so uh, it's also one of those things for me as well like i knock them out don't really celebrate just keep your composure i think that is like the the mark of an assassin and mark of a killer that that it's just like one of those things that I think is super badass and the the fact that I had it that I've already done it a couple of times to me that's that's super badass yeah well I'll definitely agree with you it looked badass now I, I do want to ask you though because I saw an article come out uh, about the medical suspensions that got handed by by uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission because they hand down their suspensions afterwards and it mentioned a hand injury of yours in a potential 180 day layoff now obviously. All of their layoffs are listed in there with the caveat that if you can get medical clearance earlier or if your x-ray comes back negative, uh, th- that you're fine. You can you can go ahead and compete earlier. But I got to ask you about your hand. How does it feel? Have you gotten that x-ray? W- what is the, the forecast looking like for you in the near future? 
Oh yeah, man. No, I got it X-rayed earlier today, and uh, I, I they sent it off to the doctor. But honestly, to me, like I was telling the doc, like the doctor that came in uh, to check me out after the fight, I told him I was it's just sore. Like I just feel sore. Like, but they were asking me questions about it, and I was like, yeah, no, my hands it's just sore, like from hitting them. Like it, it's almost always usually happened. But I guess like my last two fights, I really didn't, really didn't. Uh, how can I say? It really didn't hurt. So this time around, like it, it was a little bit more sore than it was in these past couple of fights, and I let them know, and uh, they took the glove off, and it was just a tad bit swollen. But I've had it swollen way worse before, and it was just like, uh, like random, like little uh, sacks of fluid that that were that were in my hand that just kind of busted. So uh, it wasn't, it's not. I don't feel like it's broken at all, uh, broken at all. But like. You know, I can, I have full mobility, and to me, I just feel like it's just sore. Like, honestly, like, like I touch it, and I'm just like, all right, it's good. But uh, as of right now, I believe I'm fine. I I should be good to go for May 15th, uh, 100%. It's just, it's just the fact that I think they're being extra precautious and just trying to make sure that, like, I don't go into May 15th with a possible fracture or anything like that. But I think I'm I'm 100% good good to go. I think that's the only thing. So uh, it's just my hands being sore. I think it's blown, being a little bit blown out of proportion. Well, that that's good to hear. I, I'm really happy to hear that because obviously you want it on that Houston card. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But the next thing I want to ask you is, you know, you, you talked about knowing that the knockout was there for pretty much a second after you threw the punch. I got to ask you about the bonus, though, because, you know, you do get the 50K here. You get the big bonus. You get the, the extra paycheck. But this night was filled with some absolutely wild knockouts and, and certainly some fights that could have gotten, you know, fight in the night as well. You know, Macy Chason and uh, Marion Renault put on an absolute brawl. And, you know, Grant Dawson's knocking a dude out with a crazy hammer fist with one second to go. Were you worried at all that maybe even despite the fact that you had a badass walk-off knockout that you weren't going to get the extra check? Man, I, I really didn't. I, I was I wasn't really fighting for the uh, for the bonus this time around, if that makes sense. Because like in my first uh, UFC debut, that that was definitely one thing I was gunning for. I was definitely gunning for a bonus just because like my it's my UFC debut. I go in there, I start your guy, and I get a 50k bonus. You know that that really like solidifies you and like makes makes you uh you know financially able to like be able to train full time for a lot of for a lot of the amount of time you know and definitely for me at that at that point in time like it helped me out so much uh this time around I honestly wasn't really gunning for it so it wasn't like it wasn't the like it wasn't my main priority uh but after the knockout after I got him out like got him out of there I'd like like I was about to go see the doctor and I turned around I was like, hold on one second. I ran to Dana White and I was like, Hey, is that fifty K worthy? And he was like and he was like he was like, Great fucking fight, kid. Great fucking fight. He's like, I I believe so and I was like, All right, cool, I think I got it. 'Cause I was looking at everybody else's knockouts and everybody else's fights and you know, I was like, is is as much as I hate thinking like this, 'cause I hated thinking about it whenever I was uh whenever I was fighting in uh in October and I got the check, like I like watching fights because I, I genuinely love to watch him, I was watching fights differently and being like, man, I don't think his knockout was, was as good as mine or anything <laughs> like that. I think I could. So I, I did have that, but this time around, I was just enjoying the fights and just like kind of kind of have a good time watching them. Uh, but at the same time, I was looking, I was like, nobody's had the walk-off. So I think I think the walk-off kind of like solidifies you getting the, getting the 50K bonus because, man, I think that it's, 
it, it can either go one or two ways. You knock them down, you walk off, and the ref hasn't, the ref didn't uh, pull you off, so you kind of look uh, a little bit, uh, like a little bit dumbfounded for a second, or you walk off and like they're done. So it's it's, it's either like a it's either like a, a really big hit or a really big miss, and I'm just glad it really hit. Yeah, absolutely. Now. You know, you mentioned the date coming up. We, we've we got this fight going down in Houston. There's going to be fans in the stands. Obviously, you're interested in being on that card. I saw a little bit of a Twitter beef. I'm, you know, I mentioned I've, I've been following you on Twitter and, and all the action that's been going on. I, I saw that you're interested in fighting Nate Manis, which is an interesting fight for me because a guy like you, like you said, you're coming off two straight performance of the night bonuses. You, you had this devastating knockout of the Contender Series. It seems like the the sky is the limit, and a push up the division wouldn't be all that surprising. Now Nate Manis is in kind of a similar position as you. He's a newer guy to the UFC. He's had some good performances in there, but you seem to be pretty okay with having a guy kind of on a similar, or even maybe a little bit lower of a rung than you. Is that the type of fight you're cool with taking now? Are you not looking to to jump up the rankings real quick? Oh no the the biggest the biggest reason why I wanted that fight is because back in November he called me out. So I didn't like for, I know for me, if me, like if somebody calls you out, man, you got to answer it. You have to go out there. You have to fight the guy. So that's, that was my mindset. Was like, man, that guy called me out. And also like the thing was, he called me out whenever I had, I had already signed to fight Gustavo Lopez. So for me, it was, it was more like, man, I got to make sure this guy knows that I'm not afraid of him. I'm not running around for him. Cause I had already signed to fight with Gustavo and you know, I was kind of locked in because even after, like, he called me out, uh, I was like, man, I was like, I even reached out to my manager. My manager actually reached out to me first saying, hey, you got called out. I went back to watch it and me getting called out. And I was like, I was like, no, nah, let's get that fight. Let's make that fight right now. And he was like, well, we can't. You already locked in, locked in your contract for, for March 20th. And I was like, well, damn, now I got to sit down for for a couple months and uh, kind of let that marinate and make it look like I'm scared for some reason. I was like, I'm not scared. So uh, that's why, I, like, after the fight, I was like, yeah, let's go, Nate. Like, I I want to get that fight just because of, uh, you know, he's he's a good he's a good opponent. I think he's a really he's a really good opponent. He's a tough fight. Uh, you know, I think I'm gonna knock him out. Uh, but I just want to make sure I answered that call out because he called me out first, and I just got to make sure that. He knows that I'm I'm throwing it back at him, so the ball's in his court. So whenever the fight the fight is uh is is available, we're able to go out there and uh, duke it out. Cause I re- I really want to go out there and uh, knock this guy out. Cause you know I got called out. Like I got called out and I couldn't do anything about it for months, and it just kind of <laughs> just sat with me and it was festering. And I was like, I gotta call this guy back out. I gotta do it. I gotta get this fight. Well, we hope to see that fight because let me tell you something. I do think it's a fun stylistic matchup, if nothing else. And, and we hope to see you back in there in May. Once again, fans, this was Adrian Yanez, fresh off his performance of the night winning walk-off KO of Gustavo Lopez. Adrian, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Man, thank you for the platform, man. It's an honor. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We, of course, couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without our sponsors, Maroon Social and Better Than Vegas. And, of course, we want to remind you guys to follow us on social media at Top Turtle MMA and both Instagram and Twitter. We drop both of our our content in both of those places, so make sure to check them out. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby-Reeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you then.